welcome to Surviving Society. My name is Dr. Chantelle Jessica Lewis, and I'm the executive producer of the show. I'm really excited to present to you a new series of Surviving Society titled The Role of Love in Social Justice Work, presented and guest produced by Ez Chibo. In this first episode, Ez is joined by Stephanie Wong, who is a lifelong friend of Ez's. It's such a beautiful conversation that focuses primarily on Steph's work at an organisation called Act, Build, Change, an organisation in which Ez has also done quite a lot of community-based healing work with. In this conversation, they talk about dignity, anger and love, all within service of community. One of the things that I love about this conversation, it is a real demonstration of the possibilities of learning and loving together with people that have known us for a long time. There's so many different versions of ourselves that we bring to these spaces and seeing and hearing conversations like this between Steph and Ez, I'm reminded that if we're able to keep these long-standing relationships, it means that we're able to accept people over time and through change. I really hope you enjoy this episode and do take time to look up the organisation at Build Change. Welcome to Surviving Society Presents, the role of love in social justice work. In these episodes, we will explore the role that love plays in social justice spaces. I brought on a handful of amazing guests that spoke to the way that love impacts the work that they do, as well as the challenges and benefits that this presents. This series has been executively produced by myself, Ez Chibo. Hi everyone, nice to be with you. I am Ez and I am the guest host for Surviving Society for this series, looking at the role of love in social justice work. Today I am with the very lovely Steph. Hi everyone, my name is Stephanie Wong. Hi, and I'm the director of Atfield Change. Um, I wanted to have Steph on to talk about this topic because I've worked alongside Steph for a couple of years now. The work that we do with Atfield Change and how you embody your practice really sentence love. And aside from that, I've known Steph for pretty much all my life. So knowing your kind of journey into um, social justice spaces and the way that like the personal and the professional overlap for you, I think it's a really significant reason that love plays a role in the work that you do. Who are Act Build Change? What do you do? Who are you? Tell us. So Act Build Change uh, is a community organising school. We'll be four years in April, but we've really been around for five years, but on paper, four years. And Act Build Change came out of a recognition that I wanted to be building something that was contributing to community organising. I wasn't seeing present. I'm not saying that it wasn't, but in the worlds that I was moving in, I was like, I think there is something that I want to contribute to this methodology that means so much to me that I'm not necessarily finding in the spaces that like where organising was popular. At Build Change, we do a lot of traditional community organising. So I've been a community organiser now for about 10 years. And so part of our role is like, how do we make organising really accessible and irresistible for people to consider in thinking about the things that they want to change? The other thing that we do is we spend a lot of time thinking about, well, how do we build this work sustainably with care and 
I guess the theme of this is about love. So how do we build that with that the center of the work that we do? That came out of me seeing that communities that I grew up with myself, I was finding it like quite difficult for me to be able to organize in the ways that I would like to and things like care. A lot of the time it was about actually what we win is the most important thing. And I was really interested in actually how we get there matters. It's fundamental for us to actually get to where we want to get to. So yeah, that's a bit about at Build Change and a bit about my role within that. Tell me a little bit about how you got into the work. I came into this work very accidentally. I'd never heard about organising before. I wasn't, the lens of like justice or things like that wasn't in my mindset. I didn't um, decide that this is what I wanted for myself. Politics weren't conversations we had at um, at home and things like that. But something or a number of things happened to my world and my home that meant that I became confronted with the system, the state in ways that um, were very traumatic. It was through that process of very selfishly, actually, of like, what what does my home need? What do, and my friends, what is it that we need um, in order to be able to have dignity? Um, and again, I wouldn't have used that word at the time. Through that reckoning with these different systems that were basically trying to oppress and strip us of dignity, I then became more closely involved And I had to understand how things worked in ways that I didn't need to before that exposure, that quite brutal exposure of, of that. And then what happened as a result of that was then that then became my energy. And I started following how other people were working around issues like uh, debt, mental health, all of these things that have like really clumsy language around them. Uh, And I then got invited into like more professionalized spaces. And then I was given an opportunity uh, to become, I was volunteering um, and it didn't feel like volunteering at the time. It was an issue that I cared about and I wanted to give my time to it. The sector in which we work in, they call it, you know, you're, you're volunteering, you're separating a part of yourself to like volunteer. But actually it was like, it felt very holistic why I was involved in this work. And then I got an opportunity to, learn how to become an organiser and I just followed it through. And then that quite narrow interest of why I do what I do then grew. Also because as a result of doing lots of different types of organising, for want of a better word, I had more capacity and spaciousness to think about other issues and work alongside other people. And that's never gone away. That's a little bit about how I got there. So we talk a lot in our sector about like lived experience and living experience and all of these like Mm -hmm. words or phrases that um, I don't know. I don't even know if I know what they mean anymore. But I feel like uh, knowing you, so literally knowing you for my pretty much my whole life um, Mm -hmm. and like having done life um, with you alongside you in various different ways, kind of gone in and out. I'm really aware that for some of us that do this work like you've just described there was less of an option or they felt like less of an option it felt less like oh I'm choosing to engage with these social justice issues I can speak for myself in saying that it definitely felt like it almost felt like there's a noose around my neck right and if I don't fight back 
it's going to pull tighter and tighter and tighter. That's a very kind of vivid way to describe it, but that's how it felt entering these spaces. And I've been thinking a lot about the relationship between anger, love and social justice work, um, hence me doing this series. Um, because, yeah, I think initially, if you if you asked me 15 years ago when I started getting into this stuff, longer than that now, but if you asked me why I'm doing what I'm doing or why I'm in the spaces that I'm in it I would say anger that would be I'd be I'm angry I'm angry about this and I and mm. kind of I feel like I had a lot of what I would describe at the time as what felt like righteous anger 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 um mm. and actually at the core of that I feel like it, uh, it's love it's love for me myself self-love love for my community that is really the driving force beneath the anger those of us that, and obviously I'm biased here, um, but those of us that enter the social justice space with that anger, with that lived embodiment of injustice, my experience is that our take on and our understanding of this work looks and feels different. And that's not to say that people that don't have lived experience of injustice, which I don't think any, I don't think there's anyone in the world that doesn't have a lived experience of some version of injustice. Um, there are definitely people with more privilege than others. But I feel that people that don't necessarily connect with their experience of injustice, my experience is that it appears that it's easier for them to kind of do what you just said, like compartmentalise. Um, so like compartmentalise issues or compartmentalise the work um, as like one sphere that feels separate from their lives. And I really do think that that informs, yeah, like for me, it informs how people use and work with love um, and be that the love of their community, be that a love, their love of justice or for justice. Yeah, I can really see the difference is my experience. Yes, yeah, so, and there's like a few things that like when I was hearing you speak that I relate to and also why organising has been a space in which I felt that I could contribute because in organising we talk about that anger, that organising provides that space for anger to turn into action so, and like Bell Hooks talks about that, right? That love is action. It's feeling, but it's it's practiced through action. Mm. Um, and actually in organizing, love is spoken about in, in pockets actually, um, but practiced in terms of like how we train, how we hold space. I think that wasn't so present to me growing up, but there's something about what you talked about in terms of anger that like the work that I am interested in is how, how do we turn that into when, when ready, right? When ready, how do we turn that into a space of like actions that we want to take and what is our contribution to that? Mm -hmm. There is something that when you were speaking that like makes me think about the difference. You use the word justice quite a lot. That is different to charity. Mm -hmm. And I think so much of the sector for want of a better word is still in that space of that charity mindset of I am removed and I have something to give. And I don't think that there's, um, by the way, anything wrong. I think I have, and just cause we've been in a relationship like since we were kids, like there were times where like you need things and like that, and that I'm not undermining that, but there is a difference to, to, to give in terms of like 
genuine relationship and anger and love for injustice and the want for dignity and belonging to I can give you something and I am separate to you. And I'm, it's almost like uh, two individuals and there's this moment of transaction mm-hmm. that is not loving. There can be elements of like, if you want to do that, I want to know how you are in relationship with a broader, a broader lens of like, what is justice and ending again for these words are clumsy, but ending oppression. What does that look like? How are you invested in that with me? Um, not that you are, that I am a recipient of your charity. And for me, that's why like this work matters to me as Steph and why things like that, like can get pushed away, like about embodiment. And you talked about being in body, why that is so important as well, because it's about being in your body. What does that mean? Um, And I don't think that that can be separated and compartmentalized either, but I do think each of us have different dials of comfort around that. And I don't judge that actually. I think that that is, that is welcome, but to that, that separation of like my nan used to always say the reason why people wear ties is to cut their head from their heart. (laughs) So she told me to always be wary when the ties on (laughs) because it's cutting. And I found that I genuinely, because I was so young, I genuinely believed it. I was like, Oh, but actually there's something about that, that like sticks with me, which is like, how do we allow these two things to work? in synergy with each other you the whole point of this conversation is around well where, de- where does love sit within all of this and it's like to me love fuels all of this and not a sentimental idea of love either and i don't think either of us uh, me and you as are sentimental we we, we get our moments we can actually <laughs> we get our moments but actually love is like accountability love is honesty love is creative love is boundaried i do have different versions of love like you know like diamonds many facets like and organizing allows me to have a public love where love has power in it love an ability to act ability to make choices it allows me to that that thing around justice and anger and love allows me to work in the in the public space and then i also have different types of love and we've even had conversations about that me and you in terms of like how we work together can there be boundaries and if there are boundaries what do they look like so that we can also protect that other love which is us being kids together Mm -hmm. and being and yes that informs our public work but there is also bits around that that is precious and yeah, how do we also like take care of that so that our conversations aren't like even how we started this podcast, we're like, hold on a minute, we'll get back to like other bits <laughs> afterwards because there's also a public conversation to be had. Mm-hmm. Um, but I absolutely like love you. Um, and I love you in so many different ways. And then there is the public version of the the world. Yours may look a little bit different to how mine looks like in terms of where we get to, but I have love for that. And I want to be in service of that. And I feel like that is the same. There's a shared relationship around that. And that is the justice. That's the social justice work is what is that public love together and how do we support each other and those that we work with to be able to get there for us to be able to get there. Um, And organizing allows me that organizing also allows me to be in spaces and work with people that like 
are important to me as well because I am a I, I organize in particular spaces. There was so much in what you just said that um, because I think one of the reasons why I wanted to have this specific conversation um, around love or these conversations in this series is because um, I don't think the word love is used enough, actually. I feel like and I feel that I'll speak for myself in saying that there would there was a point in my career when I would never have used the word love I would have felt too cringe I would have felt too airy-fairy I would have felt that that is not being taken that I wouldn't be taken seriously um and that actually I, I didn't necessarily connect the dots between politics and love or um organizing and love or even like just any kind of third sector community work and love I just did I wouldn't necessarily have used that language and I think a lot of the reason why I wouldn't have used that language is because of fear um, and mm. so like fear of how it would be perceived or engaged with and I think over time um, it's kind of come full circle and that, and actually but I would have used anger I would have spoken about anger and I feel that actually I was I feel like particularly because of my entry point into social justice spaces was through my lived experience um, I think that I was put on platforms and expected to speak about my anger, mm -hmm. expected to speak about my lived experience of injustice. I was kind of the token, whatever the thing was that I was there to represent, right? So I was in those spaces and I could articulate myself and I could articulate my anger in a way that could connect and motivate and move people. Um, and that happened for a long time. And what wasn't being considered by a lot of the adults, because at the time I was, I was a child when I started out this work, what wasn't always being considered was the kind of personal cost, um, the personal cost that that had on me to, to live in that anger, in that way, to utilise my story without necessarily being fed back into, um, being kind of nurtured, held, cared for. Um, and so, yeah, so when you were speaking just then and you were speaking about, like, the different things that love affords us, the different the different ways that we embody love um, and, like, our story is a unique one in ways in that, like, yeah, we've got that private love that we, that we speak about often, that we safeguard and we are conscious of and we work through that exists. And then we've got, we, we work together in some capacities. But in my role within Act Build Change, there's obviously need for boundaries and the need to to have a public facing commitment to love that doesn't exclude so it's like mm -hmm. there's actually we've got yes we've got we've known each other since forever um and we've got a private friendship love that we kind of safeguard over there but then it's a how do we work with others and work with communities um to work to focus on issues that support and centre other, other people's needs. Um, that isn't just about our little friendship that we've got going on, right? So there's, and it's tricky. I think it's that it's a balancing act that is like constant, that we have to constantly negotiate and think through. Um, and one of the things that I, I can say, and I'm again, I'm biased, I'll name that. But one of the things that I can say about working with Act Bill Change is that the organisation the level of like love that I experience in my work with Actual Change, I just haven't felt elsewhere. And that isn't just about you, Steph, that's about the whole team. Mm. So that's not just like about our 
the relation our private relationship that has existed but it's about the whole team and I feel like actually how we have chosen to do the work that we do we have made we have made active decisions um, and we have deliberated and we've kind of worked together to make active decisions to centre love in the social justice space spaces that we occupy it feels revolutionary and again I'm biased and <laughs> I know that there's a part of me is cringing at even saying that out loud but it does it does feel very revolutionary because it it's us saying that you can do this work with care you can do this work and centre people you can do this work without stepping on on people's heads you can do this work without antagonizing kind of an imaginary opposition um you can do this work without being hungry for greedy for for the version of power that disregards people's needs and that's something that that I really experienced in my work with Actable Change and why one of the reasons why I thought it was really important to to bring you on because yeah I think that I don't think it's spoken about enough and I don't think that there are enough spaces that I've been in and again it's not to say that others aren't doing this but I don't think there are many spaces that um, that do that with the level of care and intention that I feel is done within ABC. Thanks Liz and I think I think that there's something about like the collective culture which we all contribute to um, there's so many things there that you said are like First of all, in terms of like how us two work together and you talked about, you know, the the trickiness and the managing of those different, um, like navigating the spaces between our different places of like where we exist. Yeah, there that is true. And it's also like the most like glorious experience as well to like work, work with someone who you've shared so much life with and you don't have to over disclose um, in many ways. And I think we're fortunate that we have a team that like, so we do loads of work at Build Change around like narrative, for example. And my experience will be different to yours, but I had a similar thing of like one-to-ones sharing story that I didn't realize. And we haven't named it here, but like trauma and what that does. When you were speaking, it was also making me think about who gets to be loved. So you talked about like, I'm comfortable with anger to start with. And then you said, um, I would cringe if we talk about love. And you said that was fear. And then underneath that, I think that, yeah, that, but that fear is also like, who, who today gets to be loved? Who gets to experience that sense of like belonging and dignity and care? And love requires like, trust and vulnerability and actually I think that lots of people and collectives who do that well is that they they are together like there is a real sense of togetherness and I also understand I think because I'm saying this out loud for the first time so it might not be so clear but lots of organizations that also avoid using words like love is fear is risk is um you know, safeguard, like all of these things come into the mind um, because to love is to, is, is a very also like, it is a very vulnerable, very exposing space to be in. You know, we talk a lot about care at Apple Chain and what does care look like? And, you know, me and you have had conversations with like, um, how do you invite intention when there's too much softness? How do you bring in softness when there's too much tension? And that's thinking about, 
how we hold spaces to allow people to, to have that sense of like vulnerability with each other about what it is that they want to act on and what it is that they want to change. There will be more conversations about love. I think that the conversations around love are very, is for, for lots of people, a very frightening landscape. I think that for some people actually what they, they want, you know, care, care has many things and we use the word care a lot in our work, but it's also legitimate for people to be like, when I go into these space, like into work, I don't want like a, an experience that is also like overexposing for me. Um, but I do think that there, there is a growing shift because there is a growing shift in who is doing the work. Mm. And, um, and this work has always been done. We have always been caring and uh, organizing, but in terms of like who is doing the work in that public professional realm, which is then who gets to decide language, who gets to decide what gets funded, there has been significant gains around that from different organized collectives and communities that is disrupting um, disrupting the conversation and disrupting the ways in which we work. And actually we're talking about love here with a lot of softness, but I hear in a lot of like teams that um, I've been exposed to, or like even the things that I read or what I see is that what people see as like something hostile and disruptive is actually an act of love, but people don't see it that way. And when I mean people, I mean, privileged people in power, often white people um, that are leading in those spaces. It's like, this is, this is seen as like a polarizing, like that word just drives me. Polarizing to whom? And actually, if you could invite in a little bit more discomfort, this is, this is a space of love. This is a space of us being able to like, have an important important conversations that need to be had and give that space for organizing that needs to happen. Like <laughs> again, another word that I find really clumsy is this idea of radical honesty. Like what is 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 either honest or is <laughs> like what is it? But you know, like we need to have more radically honest conversations. And really what people are talking about, I think, is the degrees of comfort they are having in terms of uh what is being said. But actually if we centered love and who's who is who is allowed to receive love? Who is allowed to receive care? Who is being cared for and loved by our systems? You know, um, Mick Lynch said, you know, we refuse to be poor anymore. These 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 strikes that are happening all around us is like we refuse it. We reject it. And all of those people that are organizing around that to make that happen, which are so many people in collectives, are acts of love for our communities that refuse to be unloved, that refuse to be oppressed and refuse to not have dignity that is an act of love and yet it's it's then turned into a frame of disruption and, and antagonism and those are also in the small conversations that are being had boardroom tables around how do we manage this love has so many sharp edges to it and for some of us we feel uncomfortable because actually what we think it is is like this uh, almost sentimental sometimes abusive softness that I certainly have experienced in my own life. And then we don't see it as like that accountability and honesty and also the space for like joy and play, which is like you speak to so much, but like 
that is also acts of love. I do see shifts. I do see a lot of, of fear, but it also makes sense to me, that space of anger. And I also think, yeah, anger is also an emotion of love of like, I deserve better. And I'm angry that this is happening. And then it's like, how do you then turn that into something that can fuel you and fire you up, but not extinguish your light? And that is, that comes through the collective. And that's for me as Steph, that is where organizing for me has enabled me to not be consumed, but to give me a space to, to breathe and to have some spaciousness. And then as you get as I, and I am loved, I feel like I'm loved. And I don't know if I would have been able to say that actually when I was younger, mm. uh, I feel loved by so many collectives and communities um, and my own family, but there's also that inner love. There was times where that was really, I wasn't certain. And when you have that certainty of feeling, it is very generative in my opinion. Definitely agree with all that you just said, but particularly that last bit. For me, it's finding that balance. So it's the balance between like the softness. And I think softness is only something that I have learned <laughs> in the last couple of years, I would say. I don't think softness, yeah, I don't think softness is something that I am. Um... Or oh, actually, no, that's untrue. I mean, I think I was, <laughs> as a very young child, I think I was quite, I think I had a lot of softness as a very young child. And I think I unlearned that, learned other things. Um, and I think I'm returning back to a place of like softness and seeing myself as deserving of softness and also seeing my community as deserving of, of softness. So there's like, there's that side of things. But then there is also, like you said, the sharper edges and the kind of very clear cut where actually injustice needs to be spoken out um, against or where there is like, actually I can't exist in these conditions and I'm demanding for the, for changes around certain things. Again, similarly from a place of love, but just the manifestation looking different. Mm -hmm. And when I think about like, when I think about people that are quote unquote trying to do good, um, so the people, the good guys, right? I think that um, I've experienced- I'm exhale of breath there, yeah. by the way. <laughs> <laughs> because, yeah. And, and the eye roll. <laughs> Because <laughs> uh, I think so many people that are quote unquote trying to do good are too committed to, to being perceived in a certain way. So they're too committed to either being like right. Um, and so then in being right, they overlook the path to a loving path or a loving way to prove or to show or to demonstrate their quote unquote righteousness. So there's that. And then I also think there is like the overly soft kind seemingly benevolent people that actually overlook the need for the sharper edges or the need for them to be like clear-cut and make decisions or give up power and not just smile or be kind or be empathetic with I words. say nice not kind yeah that yeah, nice. yeah 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 that um <laughs> so and I think that I've experienced both sides of that coin um and again both have made me have left me with feelings of like discomfort something feels like it's missing um, and I think the version of like love that I'm seeking to embody in my work these days it, it's full it's not like it's not an empty version of love and it's also not about being right it's about how do we work together to create conditions in our world and in our work that makes space for not just me and not just people like me, but for everybody. Mm. Um, and with that, that requires compromise. It requires negotiation. It requires, like, it's a constant, like, 
like I constantly have to consider like what the domino effects of my actions are um, what the conversations that I'm holding in the spaces that I'm in I think that's another reason why it was really important for me to start speaking and naming love as a theme um, because I don't hear it spoken about enough is the truth um, I hear other things spoken about lots and lots and I hear like in the third sector in the social justice spaces there are so many conversations going on all the time but I don't know how often people name um, and speak to the need for love my own kind of personal journey in self-love and in seeking to work in loving ways alongside people that I care for respect love um yeah, I'm 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 seeing the need to actually bring this conversation out a little bit more and hear hear what others have to say on it. I have to admit there's a part of me that still feels the discomfort and still feels that actually what is that contrib like what are you contributing if it's not like if are you contributing? <laughs> it's talking about mm -hmm. love. Is it a contribution? How does that play out into something tangible for the people in the communities that you're you want to support? So first of all, when you said discomfort like that feeling of discomfort is like, what is my contribution? I always have this thing and to name it, it's like at Build Change, now we're starting to grow a little bit. And so people are getting a bit more interested. When I say people, I mean like funding space and there's organisations that like have not really been that, you know, saw us as something and now they're starting to see us as something else. And so you said discomfort about what is my contribution and I have this discomfort of like, if we talk in the ways that like, like we are right now and, and, you know, we're developing this work and trying to make it both tangible and lived in the moment, but like, how are you building strategies of organizing with like care and love and all of, and those facets like within it, that relational love that like, cause that's what organizing talks about. It says like, and I keep hearing people talk about like, it's about shifting power. It's like, no, my understanding of organizing is yes, we are shifting power in, in, in service of to end, you know, oppressions for want of a better word or to win on issues for want of a better word. But it's that we are in relationship with each other and we are building our relational ability to act. And if we say, going back to what Bell Hook says, is that love is action, is that ability to act together that's in a genuine real relationship with each other. Not like that power over situation, because even those nice smiles that you were talking about and how and, and that felt lacking, it was also because that to me isn't love. To me, to me, that is a different type of like co-optive behavior. But anyway, why am I saying all of this and this discomfort is that I have this voice inside me that says, will I be taken seriously? Will we be taken seriously as my role as like, because we have collective roles, but like I also have to name that I have a role as a director. And part of my role is to like also build resource, right? And to get us into spaces where we can be influencing. And I have this fear of like, maybe I need to just dial down, you know, the thing that has driven and helped build and like has built this credibility and, re and respect from people that matter to me, do I need to dial that down a little bit? Am I worried like if this goes out and certain people listen to it, will they go, oh gosh, you know, or like, oh, how woolly or what are they going to be bringing into our space? I'm not ready for that. And that is like something that I have to allow to sit at my table and be like, you're allowed to sit and have those questions. And that's why we work in collectives and we can think about like appetite and framing so that we can get people to be having these kind of conversations that I think 
are important, but I can't just pretend that you're not there because you are there. And then there's another part of me saying also that question again of who gets to be loved. It's like, I'm also really trying as to, there are particular ways of working that I'm getting exposed to that I do not love. There are ways in which people have like speak about issues and people and challenges that I do not love. But how do I not make that about people? How do I wrestle with that? is one thing that I am trying to explore that I don't have answers for. And then the other thing that you said is like that your love work is both internal and external. So you're thinking about in terms of your work, but then it's also about yourself and like the softness that you bring to yourself, but also the, the tension that you bring to yourself, the sharp edges that you invite. And I, and that's something that like I try and fail all of the time, but I'm trying to like figure out as well. It's like, if I, if I want to build and be part of collectives that are wanting to change the systems in which we work in, and I'm demanding accountability from all different uh, individuals, businesses, state, whatever, fill in the blank, what does that accountability look like in myself? Am I being accountable? Um, as you know, as you grow an organization, I also have much more power and comfort than I did with the anger that fueled me. How do I sit with that? How do I not allow that to, how do I feed in? Cause it's like not allow is like a nonsense actually. How do I create spaces in time for me to reflect? Have I allowed that? And when I have, what am I going to do to be accountable to that? And to me, that is, is a project that I'm interested in. And it's a project that I'm interested in, in terms of like, I'm interested who wants to be part of that. And when there is resistance to that, and in many groups, <laughs> there is multiple resistances. How do we, and I think that we are exploring this quite well at Apple Change. We've definitely got it wrong and we then reflect and figure it out is like when that is not being allowed through the door there's an amazing um leader i'm working with called john and john says if you can't get through the door steph figure out how you get through the window or like under the door and it's like how are we creating spaces where there is a lot of resistance how are we finding ways to bring this in even when that might not be the the frame in which people want to think about but I want to build a world in which we're all loved and feel loved. Isn't that like what what we all want? I think that's what we all want. I think that's um, what we all want. It's scary to think that both of us sitting here doing the work that we do. It's not scary. I don't know what the word is, but it's something not positive um, to think that <laughs> thinking about using the word love, talking about love may delegitimize our roles um, within social justice spaces that is there's something about that that i'm i'm interested in and that actually i hope to change um and i hope and i'm seeing change so i do think that actually i'm definitely seeing kind of shifts in language shifts in in kind of what we prioritize what is seen as acceptable yeah i'm definitely seeing that and i'm hoping that that will con kind of continue to evolve and be built on so i want to put you on the spot a little bit and ask yeah. What is the role of love in social justice work? Mm. Love is everything in social justice work, which is such a woolly answer. But when I talk about love, 
I really do mean it in that terms of like also power and that frame of ability to act in that social justice space. So loving social justice work is like, how do we build our collective ability to act to end injustice? And how do we do that by also being together? Like how, how do we, that's the other bit. It's like, and doing that together as a collective without use of shame, humiliation, what does it look like to, yeah, to act together in service of something bigger than ourselves for justice? That's what it is to me. And it should be in every interaction in a night, but it often isn't. But what is the possibility of that? And it should inform everything. Strategy, one-to-ones, who you work with, how you speak about people. Thank you so much, Steph. Thank you for listening to Surviving Society. To support our work, you can rate, review and subscribe to host or produce a series of Surviving Society. Get in touch with us via Twitter or Instagram.